If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 4 again and keep going into chapter 5. We're going to start in chapter 4, verse 17. So friends, listen. This is God's Word. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 19, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 23, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Verse 25, And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he had sat down, he, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is God's word. Science um, and mechanics have been baffled in their desperate pursuit of a perpetual motion machine. Right? It's like the holy grail for science. And every now and again, somebody claims to have come up with one. A perpetual motion machine is a machine that can create more energy than it actually uses. Okay, so the idea would be that you know, if you give a little bit of a push, you can move with this machine, you can move something gigantic, okay? Or something that can run on its own because it generates its own power, right? It's a perpetual motion machine. Now, I think this is desirable uh, in science and machines, but we also kind of want this in life, don't we? I mean, you think about it, life can be so exhausting, Right? It's so tiresome sometimes because where do you find the strength to keep going? You think about it. Where do you find the strength? I mean, we all try to sleep at night. Our bodies get sleep, and that maybe to some degree, depending on how much sleep we get, um, refreshes us and helps us recover physically. But internally, what keeps you motivated? Think about it. What keeps you motivated inside? What gives you emotional and mental strength? What are the things that fill you up? And, and how about, I mean, spiritual energy? Where does that come from? I mean, for so many people, religion is actually a chore. You know, it, it's, a, it's draining spiritually to try to conform to all of the things that uh, religion might want you to do. Well, in this part of the Bible, Jesus is mentoring his disciples. 
That's what he's doing. He's mentoring his disciples. He's telling them where they can find happiness. That's the word that's most common in this passage. Blessed, 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 blessed. And Jesus has said, we've seen him. He says, blessed are the honest. People that are honest with God and with themselves. And he says, blessed are the hungry. People who hunger for God and hunger for God's ways. Well, now Jesus says, blessed are the blessers. So translate what that means. Blessed are the people who bless others. Okay, and, and this is the key. This is Jesus' key to remaining spiritually energized. Okay, Jesus says the way to stay full is to bless others. And so we see that there's this continuing progression in the Beatitudes. We've sort of seen that over the last few weeks as we've looked at this. Um, it goes from dealing with our personal vertical relationship with God, right? Blessed are the honest and blessed are the hungry. And now we see this progression to the horizontal relationships with others. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. And it's interesting because we see the same progression actually in the Ten Commandments. I think if you look at the structure of the Gospel of Matthew, this is actually Jesus' version of the Ten Commandments. Matthew is presenting Jesus as a new Moses, and if you follow the trajectory of Jesus' life and the pattern that's set by the life of Moses, this is Jesus going up on a mountain and then coming back down with the new law. And so we see the same progression. In the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with our relationship with God, and the last six deal with our relationship horizontally with others. And so this is what we're going to see next. And as unlikely as it might seem, in these two verses, in verses 7 and verse 9, Jesus says that the road to happiness is to live in a way that blesses others. Okay, that's what we're going to see as we look at these two verses today. So let me give you the first point that if uh, you want to write down, you can write this down. Um, the call from Jesus is to bless others by sharing God's heart. Okay, bless others by sharing God's heart. This is verse 7. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. We want to look at this word merciful. What does that mean? Um, it's, it's really interesting. Um, on one hand, the word merciful could be defined as compassion with action. Okay, merciful is compassion with action. One of the most famous places that this word shows up is in the parable of the, of the uh, Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, let me just read this to you to, to set your minds. Um, somebody asks Jesus, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he got jumped. Robbers stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, which was one of the people from the families of the priests, right? A Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Compassion. 
he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two days' wages and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Then Jesus asks the question, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the one who asked him the question said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, You go and do likewise. So we see here that to be merciful is to show compassion. It's compassion in demonstrated actions. And so to be merciful, um, you want to think about what are the needs around you. Think about the people at your workplace. Who are the people that you can show mercy to? What would it look like to have compassion on the people in your workplace? Think about your family, right? To be filled with compassion, to be merciful, right? To be full of mercy. What would that look like in your family, in your neighborhood? Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are merciful. And mercy, I think when we think about it, it's really, it's an expression of love. You don't want to divorce it from love. It's important, this word merciful, in the New Testament, um, the Greek word that's used for merciful translates a very interesting word in the Old Testament. Okay, so when the New Testament writers are quoting the Old Testament and they're writing the Hebrew in the Old Testament in Greek, I don't know if that makes sense, but when they translate the Hebrew into Greek, the word that we see here for blessed are the merciful The word merciful also translates the Old Testament word hesed. Hesed. Some of you know that word. It's this incredible word in the Old Testament. It's a large word. It's pregnant. You know, if you you push on this word, stuff comes out of it. It begins to expand. It gets explosive. Um, Eugene Peterson says this. He says about the word hesed that's related to the word merciful, okay? This is what it means. He says, no single word in our language is adequate to translate it. It has a broad reach. It radiates a spectrum of meanings like a rainbow of colors from a diamond in the sunlight. He says it's affection, desire, and intimacy with stability, dependability, and unswerving commitment. It's committed love and passionate love. He says this, this often, most often describes God's love. It's what Hesed does. But we humans who have been created in the image of God, we are also capable of loving this way, even if we struggle to get good at it. Hesed, or merciful, is love in the midst of shifting circumstances. Love at the expense of personal convenience. Love in the midst of difficulties and even hormones. And this is what merciful means, what it means to be merciful. Merciful is a way of life that works for the good of others. It brings out the best in others. It sees behind what can be seen in others. In Ephesians 2, 
4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. And so the mercy of God, this, this hesed love, this merciful love, brings life. That's what it does. When Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, he's saying, blessed are the people who bring life to others. Blessed are the people who inflate the hearts of others. That's what it means to be merciful. God's mercy gives life, and he calls us. He says, blessed are those who give life life with the way that they treat others. So Jesus says, if you do this, if you are one of those people who are merciful, verse 7, second section, you will receive mercy. Jesus is saying, those who show this compassion and action to others, will receive compassion in action from God. When God sees people who act this way, God leaps out of his throne and says, yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. That's, that, you got it. That's it. And God pours into us his own love, his own compassion and mercy I mean, we've been playing with an image of these weeks, right? That we are funnels. How many of you have embraced your funnelness? Anybody? How many of you have told someone else, okay, I'm a funnel? Why not? Come on, thank you. We've got one person. No, no, you can tell people this. They won't think you're, oh, yeah, they will. Uh, we are funnels. Right, And we've seen that being a funnel, we go to God and He fills us up. We go to God, He fills us up. And we experience His love and it's great. It's wonderful. It's messy. Unfortunately though, we leak because we're funnels. Right? This is the nature of being a funnel. Okay? This is why we get exhausted spiritually, because we're funnels. This is why we get tired. This is why we get frustrated. This is why we get bored. It's because we're funnels. Right? It's designed by God to bring us back to Him continually, because God doesn't want to be an ATM machine that we go to when we need. God wants to have a relationship with us. Right? He wants us to be near to Him so that He will continue to pour into us as often as we go to Him. Okay? But, here's what Jesus is saying here. Got trash can number two. Okay? Check this out. What Jesus is saying is that God will pour his love into you. Right? And if you want, you can just choose to let all of God's blessings just pour themselves out into your life, on the ground, into the ether, right? But if you choose 
to pour the blessings that you receive from God into someone else, He will continually fill you up. Now two people are being blessed. If you are willing, if you just suck up the blessings and hoard them for yourselves, then the blessings will leak out of you and pour out into the ground. If you focus on the needs of others, the moment that you begin to share God's blessings and pour them into someone else, God will fill you up. Does that make sense? Who are these two people in your life? Who are these people in your life that God wants you to be pouring into? That's the question for us today. God, Jesus is saying here, this is what he says, right? Instead of just letting the blessings empty out onto the ground, into the ether, if we direct our blessings into others, by sharing the blessings that we receive from God, by telling other people, hey, this is kind of amazing that this is what God has done for me. Or just like what Hope was saying, in our community group, we sit around and we talk about, well, how does this affect you? Well, this passage has done this for me in my life. Or when I hunger and thirst for righteousness, this is how God satisfies me and he keeps me satisfied. When you share that with other people, you are filling them up. And God is ready, not just to cheer you on, but he's there with the ocean of heavenly blessings. And he sort of like just tips heaven up and it begins to fill you and it keeps you full. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If you are pouring into other people, God will make sure that you never run dry. Friends, the reason perpetual motion machines don't work is because there is no outside source of energy. In your spiritual life, Jesus is inviting you to tap into and to connect into the ultimate source of spiritual energy. Jesus says, I am a vine and you're the branches. Jesus said, I'm the head and you are the body. Jesus said, I, I mean, it's, it's the source. Jesus is the source. And he wants us to understand this because when we connect in with him and then let his mercy pour through us into others, he continually fills us up. We never run dry. And it's it's kind of cra- it's a little bit counterintuitive. It's unlikely, but it's true. How many of you have experienced this where you realize, you know what? It's in the pouring out of myself that God fills me up. It's weird because you think, well, I can't do this. God's got to bless me first in order so that I have something to show to, 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 to share with others. There's some truth in that, and the reality is that God blesses you before and after you bless others. But what Jesus is saying here is, if you want God to fill you, then go fill someone else up. And if you have nothing to share, well, blessed are the honest. Blessed are those who admit that they're poor and empty. And blessed are the hungry. Right? We've seen there's this progression, this wonderful progression, where Jesus is saying, if you need help, if you need grace, 
you get it from me. I will fill you up. Romans 9.24 legitimizes this illustration. I found this this week. It was so cool. It says that God's people are vessels of mercy. Vessels. What's a vessel? It's a container. Right? We're vessels of mercy. So there you go. You got a biblical, biblical example for it. So the message. Eugene Peterson also wrote a whole version of the Bible called The Message. I love how he translates the Sermon on the Mount, but here's what he says about this verse. He says, you are blessed when you care. And at the moment when you are full of care, you'll find yourselves cared for. It's good news. It's good news. I can tell you that personally, when I pray for this, the, what God normally pours into me, when I feel like I'm not being merciful and I need to sort of try to kickstart that cycle, um, I pray, Lord, help me to be merciful. Help me to have mercy for this particular person. Help me, God, to be filled with your merciful love. What happens to me, um, what God normally pours into me is understanding. It's understanding. I think this is one of the keys for us to learn how to walk in this kind of mercy and love. It's understanding. And what I mean by that is, it is so easy for me, and, I, and well, it's so easy for me just to assume uh, what people think or what people feel, or to even not even assume, but just not to care what other people think and feel, and to treat them uh, according to how I feel and how I think. But what happens to me when I begin to pray for this is I begin to think, okay, who is this person? And why is it that they're doing the things that they're doing? And when I begin to think about that, it gives me understanding. Oh, you know what? This person struggles with this. Or you know what? That person, this is what's going on in their lives that causes them to push my buttons in this way. And so when I begin to think about that, I begin to realize it's not as important for me to consider that my buttons are being pushed, but rather to understand where this person is coming from. And when I understand, it's kind of like the, the gates of the dam open and, and God's heaven pours in. Because when I have a sense of, oh, this is why they're doing what they're doing, or, you know, I could imagine that they must be struggling with something like this for them to treat me this way. It makes me think, wow, how can I show God's huh, dependable, steadfast, forgiving love to this person? And it changes me. Because then I connect to that, and then it's like this, the perpetual motion thing kicks in. Um, because God then adds more grace to that. And as I'm praying, God's like, yeah, that's right. That's how I see them. That's how I want you to see them. And I think, Lord... Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I've been impatient. God, I've been proud. It's not like I'm any better than they are, and yet I'm treating them like I am. God, forgive me. And I'm back now, Lord, where I'm empty. I'm empty without you, Lord. And I'm sad. I'm sad for how I've treated them. And I hunger and I thirst, Lord, for your mercy and your compassion, for your understanding. And God says, yes, yes, yes. This is who I am. 
this is what I'm calling you to be toward this person. Does that make sense? And so it's this invitation for us to, to go to the Lord. God says you're not that different. <laughs> you're just like him. You just got to think a little bit more about it. And this is where I think we get the mercy. And this is God's heart for the world. This is God's heart for people. And God's called us who have experienced his mercy because I mean, what do you have that you didn't receive as a gift? What has God done for you that you didn't deserve? Jesus Christ, as he says these things to me, he says this through the cross. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But the cross, in the cross, Jesus is saying, and don't forget how merciful I've already been to you. Your sins can be forgiven. You can get a fresh start. Everything can be wiped clean. We can start over. You can be right with God. Boy, that's merciful, compassionate love. And it's enough to fill us so that we can share that with others. And so we share God's heart. The second thing that we do is we, we bless others by sharing God's purpose. By sharing God's purpose. And this is verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus says, if you want to know where God's blessing rests, it is on the heads of men and women, boys and girls, who make peace. Who make peace. Now, peace is another one of these pregnant words. Right? And it makes sense. If Jesus is going to try to summarize his whole philosophy in eight statements, it makes sense that these words would you know, need some unpacking. But the word peace is the Hebrew word for shalom. Shalom. Right? And we've, we've talked about this in the past. We've been around. Shalom is... Uh, well, that's how shalom makes you feel. Um... <laughs> Shalom is God's good design and intention for the universe. Shalom, some people have said that, that in the Hebrew concept of peace and shalom, that it incorporates sort of four big picture things. Shalom in the Bible, peace in the Bible, it involves peace with God, a right relationship with him, where you feel like you know God and you're known by him. A relationship with God. Peace with God. It involves peace with other people. So the relationships that you have with other people are good. They're solid. They're transforming. They're honest. They're understanding. Right? Solid relationships with other people. Disunity disrupts peace. Conflict disrupts peace. Anger disrupts peace, right? But, but shalom, peace involves, like, peace with other people. So it's peace with God, peace with others. It's peace with the world around us, that we're living in harmony. We're good stewards of what God has made. Um, and then the fourth way is it's peace with yourself. You know who you are. You're comfortable in your own skin, 
That's what peace is in the Bible. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who make this peace. What's cool about this is that this reminds us of just how much God loves the world and the people in it. God loves the world that he made. He loves the flaming sunsets. He loves snow-capped mountains. He loves cities like San Diego that are close to both, right? We can experience a wide spectrum of what God has done and the beauty that he's made. God loves the people that he's made and the way they relate to each other. God loves friendships. He loves them. God loves marriage. He loves the devotion of singleness, right? He loves them both. He loves the artist and the engineer. God loves all kinds of people, and he just, he's excited when, when the world reflects the peace that he created it to reflect. God made the world in peace. It's us. It's we who have disrupted his shalom. And the story of Jesus is that God so loved the world that he gave his own son. That Jesus entered into the disruption of shalom to bring about peace. That Jesus came into the world to restore peace in that holistic way. Peace with God, peace with others, peace with the world, peace with ourselves. That's why Jesus came. The goal of Jesus is worldwide renewal, spiritual renewal, people's relationships with God, cultural renewal. You think about the work that we do is designed to build God's peace into the world. Social renewal. Think about your neighborhoods, your families, the relationships that you have. These are the areas where Jesus is engaged in renewing the world. These are the things that make peace. It's his purpose. This is why he came, and it's why we're still here. It's why we're still here. It's why we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers being made in God's image. God has called us to increase the goodness and the peace of this world. This is a calling. When Jesus says this, he's handing you a baton, as it were, like in a relay race. Jesus is saying, I have come to bring peace. I have come to overcome sin and death, to destroy the power of the evil one. And I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And as the Father sent me, so I send you. This is what he says at the very end. The book of Matthew says, blessed are the peacemakers. The end of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Teaching them to make peace. Teaching them that this is God's intention. Like This is what God wants from us. This is what he's calling us to do. And when we do it, Jesus says, you'll be blessed. When you act in a way that brings peace into the world, when you act in a way that brings peace between you and God, or between you and someone else, 
when you act in a way that shows that you're being a good steward of the world, Jesus says you're blessed. Because what God's doing up in heaven, God is saying, there is my child. God says, that's my son. That's my son doing that. Look at him. He's acting just like me. My daughter, do you see her? Do you see angels? Come over here. Do you see what she's doing? That is shalom. That is peace. That's what Jesus says. Right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they shall be called sons of God. These are the people that God claims for his own. God says, yes, that's it. I'm going to bless that person. I'm going to put my stamp of approval on that person. I'm going to welcome them. I'm going to call them my son, my daughter. I'm going to put my name on them. I'm going to put my name on them. I'm going to pour water out. And in my name, I'm going to fill them with my blessings and my spirit. When you make peace, When you make peace, God says you're blessed. You are my son. You are my daughter. That something that you could do would get God to leap up and say, yes, 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 yes. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the sons of God. When I pray about this, when I seek the Lord and try desperately to bring more of this identity, to to, to call myself and act like a peacemaker, um, I've been thinking about this, and and what ends up coming to expression is, is just the question, like, how can I make peace in my life? How can I bring this God's peace into my life and into the lives of others? I mean, that's the question that we want to be asking ourselves. Um, and when I, as I was praying about it this week, I was praying about it in terms of the family. Like, how can I be an agent of shalom in the family? And, and I'm thinking through, okay, peace with God. And I'm praying about that. And, and I feel like, okay, well, so my responsibility there is to, is to help my family understand who God is. Like, that's one of the contributions that I'll make, is to teach them the scriptures, to be talking about the Bible, what Jesus says, so that people can understand what Jesus says and the family can, ha- can understand their relationship with him. Right? Peace with others. I feel like God was saying, well, you can help the kids learn to love each other and to have peace. I'm like, really, Lord? It's like, yeah, I know. It takes a long time. <laughs> it takes a lot of patience. And he just sort of threw in there and remember how patient I am with you. I'm like, all right, Lord, okay, I got it. Um, and as I was praying about this, um, I felt like God was putting on my heart, Stephen, you, need to just, you just need to calm down. You need to stop overreacting because that's how you disrupt the peace in the family. Um, you react too quickly without understanding. And so I was like, oh, Lord, merciful and peacemaker, they go together. And the Lord's like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, And I just had this sense of, 
I mean, you know, everybody gets this, right? If you stop and count to 10, you know, then usually after 10, you're in a better place to react. But I just felt like God was saying, slow down, don't overreact. That's how you can bring peace. Um, the world, your family doesn't revolve around you and your needs. It also doesn't revolve around the kids and their needs. But the, the family revolves around me. And when everybody's revolving around me, that's when you're going to experience peace. And I thought, oh man, okay. Because that changes my outlook and my reaction to the situation. Because it's not about me and my irritated lack of it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. But it becomes, Jesus, what do you want here? Um, if you want what I wanted, then let me know and then I'll enforce that. But if you wanted something else, help me to come at this from your perspective and not mine. And there's been peace in my heart. It's been amazing the way that God has blessed that. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today, this is our third point, <clears throat> is just more of the application. So I'm going to write down application. Um, I wanted to just spend a couple of minutes and ask you to reflect on this. Um, and so you can write this down, you can think about this, but I want to prompt you to, uh, to make this personal. Because Jesus says, blessed are the blessers. Okay, blessed are the people who bless others. And so I want you to think about and possibly write something down. Um, who in your life right now needs mercy? can pray to the Lord, ask him, Lord, who, who in my life needs mercy? Mercy is God's covenant, committed, abundant love. Who needs that right now in your life? Is there someone that you have not understood where if you were able to take some time and ask them to help you understand where they're coming from, that that might show them God's love and mercy. And then this is related to the second thing. Um, where in your life can you bring peace? Can you make peace? Peace with God, peace with others. <clears throat> where at your workplace could you make peace? It could be a relationship in the workplace. Um, it could be somebody at the workplace that you think may be ready to hear about Jesus and how God has made peace with you. Um, it could be that you need to look at your work, the work that you do as a peacemaking enterprise. You just change your perspective a little bit on what you do. 
Um, and I just I want to leave you with the fact that um, if you feel empty, if you feel like you kind of know what to do but don't feel like you have the strength to do it, um, that's okay because this is how God made you. God made you to be a funnel. And if you haven't been filled up lately, Jesus says, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You might not be a Christian. You may need God's mercy and his peace right now. To get that, you just confess your sins. Let him know that you are sorry that you've lived your life apart from him. Recognize that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to take away your sins. If you confess your sins to God, he'll forgive you in the name of Jesus. And then he fills you up. Um, but I know a lot, of, a lot of you Christians are feeling this way too. You gotta come back to Jesus and remember that he, <laughs> he's a waterfall. I mean, you think about this in Niagara Falls. You know, you could probably be, you know, 50 feet away from the actual falls and still get filled up with all the spray that comes off of that. I mean, this is Jesus's, uh, James 1 says that God gives to all generously and without grudge. He longs to fill you up if you'll come to him. Let's pray. Father, we're coming to you now and we ask you to fill us all as we think about your mercy, your compassion. Lord, you understand us perfectly. You know exactly what we are. You know why we are the way we are. And in your understanding, you came in Jesus so that we could be forgiven and so that you could fill us up, so that we, we could empty ourselves of all that's wrong and have you fill us up with Jesus himself and what's right. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would help us, that you'd fill us up, that we'd be so moved by your love and your mercy, that we would experience your peace and that that would be what we pour into others. We need you and your spirit. Fill us and then show us, Lord. Even when we feel dry, help us to step out in faith and bless others so that we can see you, your approving smile, your knowing look, your, your grace filling us up. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.